0: Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.
1: Hello and welcome to Soul Talk. This is Leora Mandel. I'll be joined with Rabbi David Aaron after the break. Free will is such a fundamental concept, such a fundamental principle in Judaism, that we have the ability to make choices. Our choices are not determined by God, but part of why we also take responsibility and are accountable for our choices is because we have the ability to make choices and to choose. And as much as the goal is that we should make good choices, and that's why we get credit for the good choices that we make, because... (laughs) We could make bad choices. So the goal is for us to make good choices, but unfortunately, sometimes we don't. And even more unfortunately, sometimes we're on the receiving end of other people's bad choices. Some people make really bad choices and really hurt other people in their lives my question is, is, you know, on the one hand, free will is so fundamentally important that we do need to have the ability to make a wrong choice. Otherwise, our good choices aren't all that significant. It loses significance. And that works okay if I make a bad choice that maybe just affects me. There's consequences that I have to face up to when I've made poor choices in my life. But how does it work when someone else, with their ability and to make free will choices, and they choose to do something bad, that then negatively affects somebody else. On the one hand, I do believe free will is so important that a person does need to have the ability to make a bad choice. On the other hand, why should I, who have nothing to do with that other person, be on the receiving end of the consequences and fallout of their bad choices. How does this all work? How does this all come together that I can and someone else can make a choice and I can be on the negative receiving end of it? Where where is God in all this? In certain ways, I'd almost prefer that we don't always have free choice so that if someone makes a bad choice, I'm not the one on the short end of the stick, receiving the consequences from someone else's choice. So this is a very complicated topic. This specific angle of it is something that I really do want to get clarity on. And as I present this to all of you, I'd imagine you too would like to get a clear understanding of how does free will work, especially when we're not all just living in a bubble here, affecting ourselves only by the choices that we make good and bad, but that other people around us are affected by the choices that we make. And we have are affected by the choices that other people are making. So I realize I need to go back to this fundamental concept and really start from the beginning again of understanding what is free will? How does it work? How does this work into the idea that God is running the world, running the show? How does it work when we make choices that affect other people? And that's exactly what I'd like to address with the rabbi when we return. Soul Talk, Rabbi David Aaron and Leon.
0: Israel is located in one of the most volatile areas in the world. Israel is an island of stability in a sea of war and unrest. In the midst of this turmoil, Israel stands out as a beacon of order and human progress. Each week we update you on what's happening in this, the Jewish state, a true light unto the nations. This is Jay Shapiro, join me every Thursday on Israel News Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to Soul Talk. This is Leora Mandel with Rabbi David Aaron. Rabbi Aaron, we've had so many really deep and fundamental conversations, and this now leads me to a question I've been thinking about. We've spoken about the importance of free will, understanding that free will is so significant because we're here to make good choices, to choose good. But if there is no counter challenge to our good choices, they don't really mean all that much. So we need to have the opportunity to choose to do the wrong thing so that when we choose to do the right thing, it's significant, it's meaningful. And that is the definition of free will is that we have a choice to make. So I've been thinking about a challenge with this, though, because the goal is we're supposed to make good choices. But unfortunately, a lot of people make bad choices. Uh, People lie, people cheat, people abuse others, people take advantage of others. There's, There's a lot of choices that people will make that on the receiving end, if someone lies to me. I now, they made a free will choice, but I am now suffering from that lie or from their cheating or from their abuse. So how does this work with free will that someone else can make a free will choice, but if they make a bad choice, I might be the one to suffer for it.
2: Yeah. Excellent question. Um, so yeah, we talked about choice. We talked about, you know, there's a teaching in the Kabbalah and, uh, that, uh, that there's really nothing but God and that we are a part of him. We're not him, but we are a part of him. It's actually not just in the Kabbalah. It actually says in the uh, Torah itself, Ein od no there's nothing but Hashem. It also says, Ki Hashem amo, part of God is his people. And so God is absolute good. What part of absolute good are we? We're the part of absolute good that can choose good. There's a part of absolute good that is, was, and always will be good and is, is by nature good. But then there's a part of good that is a goodness born of choice. We are the embodiment of that divine possibility. And I say possibility because nothing has to be God is free of any necessary anything and any kind of necessity. But... Uh, and so we are here to make choices, to choose good. And of course, in order to choose good, there also needs to be an equal opportunity and inclination to choose bad. And so uh, we are here to make choices. But really our free choice is in the choice itself, but not the results of the choice. Mm. And that's a big one. That's a real big one. In other words, someone could choose God forbid, God forbid, to shoot somebody, kill somebody. And they have the free choice to pull the trigger. But they don't have the free Well, they have to be more clear. They have a free choice to choose to pull the trigger. But they really don't have the freedom to pull the trigger. Meaning they could pull the trigger and it jams. Or they could pull the trigger and... uh, the gun doesn't fire because there really was no bullet or they could pull the trigger and there was a bullet, but it was a dud, Or they could pull the trigger and the victim moves or they could pull the trigger and another victim walks in front of the range. I mean, there's infinite possibilities from the moment you make the choice to the results of the choice. And that's why, um, um, you know, you're able to do tshuva, repentance. Because let's say you do something and there's really no, no return, can't turn back time. You did something and you can't change the, the effects of, of, of what happened. Well, so how could anybody ever do tshuva? Well, so our sages teach us that when a person repents, then their name is no longer on the event that happened and so if i say I, I i regret choosing to do that and i will never do that i will never choose to do that again then uh, then my name is no longer on the event and that's a pretty amazing thing i'll, I'll give you a story about not about 19 years ago, not about 19. 19 years ago, my family was in a terrible car accident. I was not in the car. I was actually in America at the time, and my family was on their way to my in-laws for Shabbat. Well, it was a rainy day, and there was a, a fellow who got in his car when he was tired. He should not have been driving. He had been up all night, and he went. Uh, to pick up something from a bakery. He fell asleep at the wheel, uh, lost control, and his car flipped over and started spinning on its rooftop as it was racing down the wet highway and slammed head-on into my brother-in-law's little car with my entire family in it. Head-on, collision. And, uh, you know, some devastating, um, you know, uh, wounds. Uh, It was such a terrible accident that the rumor that got to our community in the old city was that my entire family was was wiped out.
1: Mm.
2: But miraculously, uh, everyone uh, survived this crash, but uh, not everyone survived without some significant damage to themselves. And um, so, you know, um, thank God, 19 years later, everyone's pretty much over it. I mean, there are some handicaps, but, but people have been able to adjust to those and adopt to that. And so how do I feel about this guy? Uh, or how does my family feel about this guy? Zero. We don't have any harsh feelings towards him. He, he did come to our home and apologize my kids were very embarrassed and didn't want him to come over. And uh, did he do something wrong? He certainly chose to do something wrong. And he should not have gotten in his car. Uh, But the truth is, he might have not fallen asleep. He might have fallen asleep and his car would have gone off the highway. Uh, He might have fallen asleep and hit somebody else's car. He could have hit our car and Nobody could have been wounded. There were some in the car that weren't wounded at all. And um, so and he himself wasn't wounded at all, even though his car was spinning, rolled off the car, rolled off the highway, and he, got, he just got up and walked out of his car. So that's already the plan of God. And so there's this mysterious interface between our choices and God's plan. And although you could choose to do other than God's will, you can never, ever oppose God's will. Whatever God has in store is gonna happen. And so that's, uh, that's the basic point. We ultimately have free choice in the choice itself, but can we really, really say we have complete control of the events that are generated by the choice? And the answer is no. And so if it happens, then somehow it's part of God's plan and I know that's a harsh thing to say. There's some very devastating things that happened. And, and, it doesn't, and when we say it's God's plan, that's not to be taken as, oh, so I must be evil, I'm being punished. Sometimes very difficult things happen to people as part of their growth and not as a response to something they did wrong, but a uh, event that is going to set them up to excel in some extraordinary way.
1: Hmm. that's a very powerful story because it's, it's so real and personal about what happened to your family. Is that something, meaning the perspective, realizing that there's no reasons to be upset with the driver because the driver, as you're pointing out, there's so many possibilities that your family didn't have to be involved with his bad choice and that they were, was part of the divine plan. Is that something that you immediately had clarity on and affected how then um, the immediate response? I, or is that something that over time you've really come to understand? Uh, no, that?
2: I did. In fact, uh, just... Uh, Two weeks ago, my son was hit by a car. My oldest son was on his bike and he uh, and he was completely within the legalities of driving, riding his bike. And a fellow who had parked his car without checking opened his door suddenly and uh, hit my son Uh, knocked him over into the middle of the road. He could have been hit by a car. Uh, his shoulder blade was broken and he's had some significant surgery and he's in a lot of pain. I just spoke to him now. He's still in a lot of pain. How does my son or how do I feel about the driver? Zero anger towards the driver. Why? He, he, he made a terrible mistake. He chose to open his, his door without checking. He feels terrible. He drove my son to emergency but um, my son, nor his family, nor I feel any anger towards him. It's between him and God. He made a terrible choice. But the timing is too ridiculous that he should hit my son at the very moment that he's, walk, he's riding by the car. So it's clear to us this is, this is the plan of God, although it was the action of this man uh, does this man have to take responsibility? Absolutely. Because he was some way the vehicle for this. And so what, he's got to take some serious personal inventory. Uh, should he say, well, I don't feel bad about this guy being hurt because uh, I guess it wouldn't have happened anyways. No, you were the vehicle for that to happen. And that indicates something about you. And so that's between him and God, but between us and him, he apologized. He will, well, his insurance will have to take, is taking care of the compensation. My son just did an extraordinarily expensive surgery. And, uh, but you can be sure that my son doesn't have any hate or anger. In fact, my son tried to calm the guy down.
1: (laughs) Hmm.
2: So, um, You know, again, not that a person shouldn't take serious, serious inventory on the choices they make and why this event happened through them. Because that's important to ask yourself, like, why did this happen through me? What do I what do I have to learn about this? What do I have to change about myself that I don't become the instrument for this kind of stuff happening in the world?
1: Well, when we return, Soul Talk, read by David Aaron and Leora Mandel.
0: The Tamar Yona Show. Tamar, she's sassy. She's smart. She's funny.
2: But she's also a real Jewish mother.
0: Hi, everybody. I'm Tamar Yona, And yes, I can be all of those things. But at Israel News Talk Radio, I'm here to bring you the news stories and guests that you may not hear anywhere else. Join me live on air Sundays, Mondays, and Tuesdays for the most unique and bold talk radio in Israel. The Tamar Yonah Show.
1: Welcome back to Soul Talk, Leora Mandel with Rabbi David Aaron, really processing um, this powerful understanding of how free will can work, that I, someone else can actually make a bad choice. It can affect me, but if it affects me, this is part of the divine plan. Because, Rabbi, as you're pointing out, it is so true. There's so many people that can make bad choices, and there's so many things that could happen that even though I might make a choice that bad, is bad and could have a negative effect on someone else, um, if it's not meant to affect me, so many things can change in the situation, in which case it wouldn't affect me. And so therefore, if it does, if I'm on the receiving end of someone else's bad choice, I lose a lot of money because someone cheated, for example, and, and you know, wasn't honest in business. It can be so many examples or a person is, uh, you know, yells all the time at me and then maybe like an abusive kind of relationship and that I'm the one who's, you know, happens to be in this person's line of fire on a regular basis. Meaning someone can make bad choices, but if I'm here, there's some, and receiving it, there's, that's not, just because they chose to make a bad choice. There's some sort of mission. There's, there's a divine purpose to the fact that I'm on this receiving end. And in certain ways, it's actually very freeing. I think it actually is more disturbing to me to think that someone can make a bad choice and it can negatively affect me so that they have the opportunity to have free will. than to understand they have free will, they can make a bad choice, but their bad choice doesn't have to affect me if it's not meant to. And if it does, therefore, on my side of things, I have to understand for some reason that there's some something, some growth that has to happen for my going through this.
2: Right. Well, actually, that happened another story in my family, but hmm. uh, this happened to my brother and 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 sister-in-law. Uh, they gave birth to a child, and the doctor was negligent, and the child died. Hmm. So, are they supposed to live with this feeling that we would have had a? a live child, had not this doctor be negligent. And that is not the way I encourage people to think about it. Yes, the doctor did something terrible, terrible, terrible. And yes, he should be taken to judgment for that. Uh, But to think that everything would have been different uh, is certainly according to some opinions, not the way we see it in Judaism. I don't think it's healthy to see it that way in Judaism, to think that some man's, you know, negligence is the reason why they lost a child. Um, but how is he supposed to feel? There's a story about a fellow who's in court because he was caught in a stolen car. And the judge asked him, did you steal the car? I says, judge, there's a lot more to the story. I'm not responsible. And <clears throat> he says, but you were caught in the car. Let me tell you the story, Judge. You, know, you see, I was walking down the street. This man parked his car, uh, and it's a very dangerous neighborhood, a, a neighborhood that's known to be with high theft. A policeman, I overheard the policeman come up to the fellow and warn him, Sir, I want you to know that this is a, a high theft neighborhood. And I can guarantee you, if you, if you, Park your car here. It will not be here when you get back. And the guy didn't listen, so I took the car. <laughs> so the judge says, "Well, okay. So now you're, uh, you know, you're responsible for stealing it." But, uh, judge, you don't understand. It would have been stolen anyways. So just says, "I know it would have been stolen anyways, but you volunteered to do the job, which means you volunteered to go to jail for it." Mm. So a person needs to understand that their behavior, they will be held responsible for their choices and they will be held responsible for the, the results of their choices. But in terms of the person on the receiving end, uh, they, they certainly deserve uh, uh, you know, an apology and they certainly deserve the proper compensation, but then they should let go and let God into the story.
1: So then ultimately, there's a sort of pairing up that happens when when someone makes a choice and I have a negative effect from it, the meaning, as you're pointing out, there's a lot of times people will make negative choices. And, you know, I the timing doesn't work. I'm not on the receiving end. I I'm just not there. So when it actually happens that I'm on the receiving end of someone else's negative, the consequence of someone else's negative choice, it sounds like there's almost like a pairing up. But for some reason, there's some experience or some situation I'm supposed to be going through for some purpose of what I'm here for. And this person is now as you, it was such a powerful example, the car to almost clarify it. <laughs> Um, this other person is is in the process of making a bad choice, and God's going to let them do it, and it just almost brings us together so that I get that experience and their negative choice. In this case, does have a negative result,
2: right? And 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 the and the attitude should be, and I'm not saying this is easy. I'm not saying this is easy for me either. But the attitude is somehow in this is an opportunity for growth, and rather than sitting and complaining how everything could have been different. Then a person should see as this was somehow meant to be and is in some way an opportunity for me to grow. Hmm. And I think that's the healthiest way to look at things and to move on in our lives.
1: It totally is so. My question, though, in that is that so often, especially if someone's been hurt by someone who, so to speak, should be close let's say a child who had abusive parents or someone who's gone through a miserable divorce, or there can be so many situations where people are really hurt. How does one move out of the pain and get to the point of growth?
2: Well, you know, uh, one of the examples, and I seem to recall it was Lubavitch Rebbe who uses this is, you know, imagine, um it's, it's like a, a dog and someone is hitting the dog with a stick and the dog bites the stick and, um, and thinks the stick is hitting him rather than the, the person is hitting him. In the opposite sense, we need to understand that this stick is, this person is kind of like a stick that god uses in order to in some way um, teach us or uplift us or offer us the opportunity to change whatever it is so so when people continue to live in anger against somebody certainly doesn't help it's what they say you know bearing a grudge is as silly as drinking poison and hoping somebody else is going to die You know, so bearing a grudge and being angry uh really certainly doesn't help you and doesn't make a difference to the person very often. The person who did this to you even forgot or didn't even know they did it to you. <laughs> so we have to understand that yes, this person made a choice. Yes, this person made a terrible choice, and they and and they should they should ask forgiveness and they should and they should compensate in whatever financial way they can. But but then a person shouldn't live with this feeling like, and everything would have been different if they would not have made that choice. Uh, no, that's not the way we look at it. We have this attitude that when, it, when, it, when we look in the future, it's, it's you know, it's uh, with 2020 foresight, then all is in the choice of man. But when we look 2020 hindsight, it was all the plan of God. And it's a paradox. Is it the plan of God or is it the choice of man? So when we come towards what will be, that's your choice. When we look at what was, that was God's plan. And I know that it's a, it is a paradox.
1: It is hard to wrap my mind about. But now that brings me to I don't know if it's, it's more of a challenge when we're angry at a person, but how does a person not get angry at God?
2: Well, I, that, I, I, I want you to know that. That is not easy. There's a, a, a beautiful teaching by Rabbi Berkowitz in a book that he wrote about faith after the Holocaust called uh, With God in Hell. Mm. And the beginning of his book, he starts off with a story about a fellow who says he doesn't believe in God you know, because of the Holocaust. And uh, Rabbi Berkowitz suggested a... Um, a kind of theoretical situation. Let's say there were two men in the gas chamber and they both died. One died with perfect faith and said, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Achad, God is one. The other one, as he's gasping for his last you know, breath of air, he turns to God and said, I tried, I tried to believe in you. But I can't and he left declaring that not God is one but God is none. now let's say these two men come into the life of this disbeliever what would they say this fellow says I don't believe in God because of six million Jews died so what would the believer say who died in the concentration camp in the gas chamber what would he say to this this person uh Rabbi Berkowitz suggested that he would say, you have lost your faith. You weren't even there. You know, I was there. I was dying. I died. And I still maintain my faith. So, uh, you know, why should you lose your faith? Okay, that's what he would say. But what would the guy that lost his faith say to the guy that's now saying because of the 6 million, I no longer believe. So Rabbi Berkowitz suggested, this is what he thinks he would say. I think he would say, you weren't in the Holocaust. You weren't challenged. You weren't gasping for your last breath in the gas chamber. Don't you think I wanted to believe? Don't you think I wish I could have believed? I just couldn't. It was just too much, but you weren't there. So don't use me to lose your faith because I didn't wanna lose my faith and I don't want you to either. I think it's a very powerful way to look at things. And so um, this is, uh, you know, how do, how do you not lose your faith in God, not be angry at God? That's, that's not easy, but I don't think we help ourselves by losing faith. Hmm. I think faith is what gives us the hope that there's meaning to the apparent madness going on.
1: True. Well, when we return, Soul Talk, read by David Aaron and Leora Mandel.
0: In a time where feelings have become fact, where rational thought and common sense has disappeared, one man above it all i'm howie Sobaker, your political hitman local hitman airs every tuesday at 11:59 p.m north american time 7 a.m israeli time only on israel news talk radio Are you interested
2: in transforming your life, drawing closer to the Creator, and uncovering the deeper meanings and hidden treasures in the Hebrew Bible? Then join me, Rav Yitzhak Michelson, and me, William
0: Hall, on the Science of Kabbalah, where we are seeking to narrow the gap between what we understand of our physical and spiritual worlds. So make sure to tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Israel Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, here on Israel News Talk Radio.
1: Hello and welcome back to Soul Talk, Leora Mandel with Rabbi David Aaron talking about so many really fundamental uh, understandings of life, free will, relationship with God, um, how bad things can happen to people from other people's choices, understanding that there is no happenstance, really God is orchestrating it all, but then if that's the case, it's not human beings that have ability to have challenges come towards us. Um, If these challenges come to us, then it's because God's still in the picture. It's not that God went to sleep. But as, as I was just asking before the break, then how do we not get angry at God? And as you're pointing out, that is very, very challenging. But it really comes to another fundamental uh, question that I have then is um, our understanding is that God is all loving. And yet not everything that happens to us feels very loving. And ultimately, some, if, you know, sometimes I feel like it can almost be easy to explain, to say, well, people did these terrible things to me. But you're pointing out that free will means that um, doesn't mean that someone can use their free will to cause me pain uh, because there's so many things that could derail that if it's not meant to be coming my way. So if I am going through a painful experience, I am hurt physically, emotionally in any kind of way. That's something I'm meant to go through. So how do we understand that in terms of God being loving and having to sometimes go through so much pain in life?
2: Right. Um, Again, these are really tough questions and I don't think we ever will understand but I will offer some way to approach it but I'm not claiming to understand it uh you know and I I once gave this metaphor before you know imagine you are a seed and you don't know you're a seed and someone buries you alive they put you in the dirt they bury you under the ground And they start putting manure on top of the ground and start sprinkling water. I mean, talk about sick and cruel torture. I mean, could anybody imagine a death more cruel than that to bury someone alive? And yet uh, what is really going on is this person is a farmer and you're a seed. And, uh, well, there you are under the ground. Again, you don't know you're a seed. You don't know that this is a farmer. And you, and you start to die. You disintegrate. You're decaying. You're falling apart. And, uh, and if someone were to whisper into your little seedy ear, you're a seed. And he's a farmer. And he didn't bury you alive. He planted you in order to come even more alive and that what appears to you as death is actually the beginning of transformation and new life and even greater potentiality. Is it at all possible that the seed could fathom what this guy is saying? It's not possible, simply not possible. And so too, there are things that are happening in this world that are, terrible i mean the word terrible is an understatement uh, you know like th- there's no words for the horrors that have happened to people in this world and there's no way that i could say to them uh because not that i understand it either and say well god loves you um but but that is what judaism says <laughs> mm-hmm. even though we don't understand it and it is completely <laughs> Completely in the situation we're in and the capacity for our comprehension, that sounds not only ridiculous; it sounds even insulting that you would say such a thing. So I, I recognize the difficulty of the answer, uh, but I think practically it's the best answer that there's meaning to this, and someday we'll understand this meaning, and uh, you know, and to think that God is. You know, to think that there is no God, I don't think that's going to help people get through the pain. To think that there is a God and he likes to torture people, that's not going to help us get through the pain. And so I think practically the best approach to get through the pain is to believe that if God takes me to it, then God will get me through it. And through it might not be in this world. It might be the life after this life.
1: I don't know. No, it's very powerful and it really is actually a very good analogy with the seed being planted because you know, when I'm asked as I'm asking the question, I'm thinking, I, I don't know how I can wrap my head around this. On the one hand, I hear what you're saying, Rabbi. On the other hand, it's like there's also this almost it's like it doesn't sit well with me because God's supposed to love us and a lot of these painful things don't feel so loving. And on the one hand, it helps me to feel like God is behind it. It isn't random. It isn't that someone else can just make a, a bad choice and now I have to suffer with it. God is in this picture. But then what how do how does this affect my relationship with God, who I'm supposed to have a loving relationship with? He's the source of all this pain. But it really comes down to having a like this change in complete perspective in terms of it's like, that's why I I really like the seed example is that what sometimes feels like pain is really where my growth has to come. And it can't come without going through that experience. And I'm trying to think like in life, I guess I'm thinking of birth too. The pain is actually a good sign. It means the baby's on the way. If you're not having contractions, that would be a problem. And in a sense, maybe for ourselves, it's like, we have to birth the, uh, the new version of ourselves sometimes comes with challenge and with pain. But when we understand that, that it's not just here to destroy me, it's here for my growth. Like I'm thinking of the seed, if the seed keeps thinking I'm being destroyed right now, I'm being buried alive then it's just paralyzed. It can't do anything. No movement happens. But that's why I think if anything, understanding what you're sharing is so significant, because when I am feeling like, so to speak, I'm being buried right now by whatever it is that I'm going through. But if I understand that this is the pressure from the soil, the pressure in my life is here so that I can sprout into something new, it's a very different way of dealing with everything that's coming on top of me than just thinking that it's destroying me.
2: And it's also important to bear in mind that Judaism teaches that you are a soul, and a soul is a, literally a part of God, which means that what you're going through, God is going through it with you. And that is the verse in the Psalms that King David says. Gam kiei lech b'geit Even if I'm in the valley of death, I will not fear evil because you are with me. And the Zohar, the classic essential text of the Kabbalah says, as one word, literally, you are with me. And so, you know, that's why I, I, you know, I mentioned that book that Rabbi Berkowitz wrote called With God in Hell. And so when people ask the question, and this deserves a, a whole show itself, actually, maybe 10 shows. When people ask, you know, where was God in the Holocaust? Actually, according to Judaism, God was in the Holocaust. Because every soul is a part of God. So now that makes the whole story a lot more challenging. You know, know, because until now we've been saying, why is God doing this to me? And we have this dualistic attitude that there's God over here and we over here and he's doing this to me. But God isn't doing this to me. God is doing it to himself or to be more correct, a part of himself. So if I had a sliver in my finger and I started taking a needle and pulling it out, of course, causing my finger a lot of pain. If my finger was self-aware, it would turn to me and say, how could you do this to me? You know, where is your compassion? And I say to you, who do you think is feeling this pain? I'm feeling this pain with you. And, um, you know, and therefore there is a verse that says, Anochi Mo B'tzara, Hashem says, I am with him in his pain. And so it's important for people to understand that whatever pain they go through, God goes through them with, with them. And again, not something that we can comprehend so well, but it goes back to as long as we're under this impression that God and man are separate entities, then God is afflicting this to me. But if man is a part of God, we once talked about how, according to uh, our tradition, we are to God like a baby is in the womb of her mother. That baby exists within the mother. The baby is a part of the mother. The baby is an extension of the mother. Even though the baby is other than the mother, there's really nothing but a mother. The mother, the baby is a subset of the identity of the mother. And so, too, over here, a lot of people's problems are because they have an image of a God that is a separate entity over there, stoically watching us go through pain that he's afflicting upon us over here. That's the wrong paradigm.
1: Hmm. So really, ultimately, when you're talking about with free will that we can't do go against God, since we're, that we are a part of God, it actually also explains why we can't make a choice that is not in harmony with God's plan.
2: Yes. But in other words, whatever that baby would do in in, in the belly of her mother is still within the belly and still somehow is happening within the context of the mother. And that is the mystery, how our free choices are free and yet still exist within the womb of God's plan.
1: Hmm. So in the idea that I can't always choose what happens to me, but I can choose how I respond. Is that something that's totally a free will choice? Or is that also has to work into God's plan, so to speak, in terms oh, of like, my a, attitude?
2: That, that, in many ways, that's the ultimate choice that we do have, which is a and Shemayim, Shemayim. All is by the hands of God, but the awareness, the reverence of God, meaning your ultimate choice is the choice of interpretation. You give to the events in your life. Hmm. That is our ultimate choice. What commentary do you give? And uh, a lot of people are not taking ownership of, of that because so much of your ability to survive and even thrive through your situation has so much to do with what interpretation you give to the event, you know, um, If a person gives the interpretation that somehow this is an opportunity and somehow this is part of God's plan, and someday I'll understand it and see it all in retrospect as um, a growth gift, so then that'll keep them going. But, you know, if a person says, oh, it's, you know, it's all meaningless, it's all worthless, and there is no future, well, how's that going to get them up in the
1: morning? Hmm. So really the goal and the focus is to realize that what we do have control over is our attitude towards any situation that comes our way, that comes into our lives. And that's empowering to know where we really do have a sense of control and how we can make our lives more uplifted through the attitudes and the perspectives that we take. I want to thank you all for joining us. Soul Talk, Rabbi David Aaron and Leora Mandel.
0: Where can you get the inside news on Israel. It gets pretty cold here in Sweden, so I love cuddling up with a warm cup of tea while I listen to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, everybody, this is Frank Doris from Tennessee. Me and my dog, Buster, really love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. (laughs) You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.